We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Simon Campbell and Emile Franchi to talk to you about Newcastle United 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Friday night at St. James's Park. It doesn't get much better than that as surely Newcastle United take a massive step towards Premier League safety. We're going to talk to you all about it. We're on Patreon, of course, £6.60 a month for lots more of these podcasts. Plus it keeps this podcast free of charge for everyone. You also get these podcasts that we do for everyone without the adverts on Patreon. So come and join us. We're going to be absolutely buzzing all week about Newcastle United's fantastic victory against Wolves. It was a lovely night. It was a lovely night. Four home wins in a row. That's gone under the radar. Four home wins in a row. That's nice. People have said Wolves didn't have much to play for. Could have gone six with a win. Seems like a lot to play for for me. But they came up against an inspired Newcastle United. Um, Certainly defensively, anyway. (laughs) They came up against a Newcastle United that put right the many wrongs of last Sunday. And we're going to talk about that today. But what a night. Charlotte, um, start off with you. Fantastic win for Newcastle United. How was your evening? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, just massive, wasn't it? I, um, you know, we've said on this podcast a lot of times over the past, like since the past two matches, obviously that we, we haven't won them and people have been a bit, oh, are we really safe? We, we thought we were safe. Are we safe? We've said, yeah, we're safe. We're safe. It's fine. I don't know. Secretly, I was like, are we really fine? I'm not sure. But I think we are now. Like, I'm touching touching wood, but I, I think we are. I think last night's um it's just the turnaround from the Spurs game, which where we it was like a performance of old, where we just lost our heads. We were not um cohesive, we, we weren't in any kind of shape, we were all over the place. Um f- to five days later, to like you say, like being in this defensive um block that like Wolves just really couldn't deal with yesterday and yes they were missing a couple of their key players but that doesn't matter like, yeah well this is true and and that doesn't matter like it it's it's who's who's against who on the night isn't it and and we were the better team and it was scrappy at times and not not entertaining to watch actually at, at a lot of times but I think now we are we are going to be okay for the for the rest of the season and I'm just so buzzing about it lads I don't know who wants to go first we're safe, yes. Tell the listeners, tell everything. Tell them everything's going to be okay. Shout it from the rooftop. Of course we are. We were safe before the game started last night, in my opinion. I know that that was just a bonus, getting that win. It's a bit of a, a sweetener for everyone to feel a bit more comfortable. But personally, I, I felt more comfortable than ever. Uh, who did we beat? 
Southampton. I think Southampton, I was feeling the confidence um, to go away. And on that run of fixtures in particular, I felt we were all right. I even felt we were safe when we lost to Chelsea just because of the performance that we put in. We used to say, if Newcastle can play like that against such and such, we'll be all right. We went and put in a shift against Wolves, much like the one that we put in against Chelsea, where we made it difficult for that team. Um, any team could have nicked it yesterday, but we just had that that final bit of, uh, I know it was a penalty, but that, that little, little bit of, I don't know, just, just slight bit more quality at the top uh, that Wolves were lacking, because Fabio Silva's an awful striker. And I, I, I hope, well, if we ever go near him, just I'll, I'll stop supporting Newcastle. <laughs> Poor lad. <laughs> Sorry, let, let's bring you in then. S- same question, mate. Are you uh, are you full of the joys of life? Are you, are you buzzing this morning that Newcastle United are surely safe? Yeah, of course. Um, I, like Emil, I, th- I thought the, the job was done weeks ago. To be perfectly honest, and not not because we had enough points. We still need. A, we still even now need a couple more points on the board. But there's just no way in these last seven games we're not going to get at least another win, at least another couple of draws. And I was confident before last night with the games we've got ahead, including the Wolves game. In hindsight. Um, foresight, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that the, the we'll do it, we'll do the job, and, and you know what, we've done it sooner than than planned. Again, that's what happens with Eddie Howe. You, you think actually, out oh, these next three games, we'll definitely get the points on the board, and he's done it already with, with beat Wolves. And I, I have full confidence that we'll get the next two home games, probably get three or four more points, and then that is job done. So, um, mathematically, we're probably not safe yet, but we kind of are because there's no way we're not going to then get more results in the next few games because we're just good. <laughs> We are we are good and like I said, four you know it's four home wins in a row. Um, the previous two home games against Manchester United and Watford, we should have won mm. as well. So it could have been six home wins in a row, and that's the key phrase: home wins. You you stay in this league if you're not a great side on your home form. Newcastle United, you know, when they play at home, at least barely look like conceding a chance. You know, Martin Dubravka's pulled off one save last night that might have been going wide anyway. Fabio Silva has a header; he should do better on. That's it. That's the ninety minutes. There's not. There was nothing else there. And Eddie Howe just deserves all the credit in the world. We've talked about on the podcast before about how he came with a reputation for defensive fragility, and he's blown that out of the water. But to go from that second half at Spurs last week to be so uh, certain after that game that the the very next fixture he needed to see an immediate improvement defensively and to get it is just. I love it because it means when he says something, he means it. It's not just mm. words. It's not just platitudes. It's not just get the interview over with. No, he he sent a message to the fan base, to the players, to everyone watching. In the next fixture, we, we, we must be and we will be much better than we were. And we were. And that's the kind of nice thing about last night. Yes, you know, my kingdom for a second goal. Like, <laughs> can we please just kill games? It would, make, it would make my life so much nicer. But it's nice enough already because we won. But the fact that we won last night against a good team... You know, a lot of people have been disparaging Wolves' performance, and Wolves were poor. But it wasn't it wasn't for lack of effort. I saw a lot of endeavour from Wolves. Bruno Large on the sideline was going absolutely wild all game at his team, trying to get them to play down the flanks, maybe a little bit more. Why they couldn't do that later, but we won against a good team. That was it was just kind of a, a now classic Newcastle United under Eddie Howe template victory. Defend very very well. Take your chances when they come, but still. Even though there weren't a lot of chances in the game, I thought Newcastle were the better side in that game right from the first minute. They dominated the first half without creating much, but dominated the first half. Were, were kind of better than Wolves at, at um, counter-attacking, you know, so despite not making lots of clear-cut chances, still posed a threat on the break regularly and just defended better than Wolves and, 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 and I thought were fully deserved the win. You know, really weird caveat here. I was uh, in a taxi on the way home last night and 
people on Talksport were, were talking about it not being a penalty. I've seen a little bit of that. What? Just Went looks like the most blatant g- penalty I've ever seen. Chris Wood goes past the goalkeeper who trips him up. I don't yeah, I think it, those penalties <laughs> get given now. Like Harry Kane gets them all the time, but the ball's out of play by the time he gets fouled by the keeper. There is an argument for that, but <laughs> yeah, like that's the rule now. Like yeah. basically, it's about the time we had a bit of luck going our way. To be fair, so I think well, that's the thing. Right. I, I mean, I, yeah. I was right over by the losers' corner and I. J- it looked like a penalty. Yeah, yeah. It looked, it looked like a penalty to me. Maybe. Well, it's probably, yeah, if the ball goes out of play, that I don't even know if that is the rule, but it, it felt like that's probably the argument they're making. Yeah. So right, the, right, the, right. There's no way Chris Wood is getting to that ball that he's kicked away yeah. from the keeper yeah. and then just taking the hit. But you know, could have been killed. I was, I was <laughs> saying, a, be, I was, yeah, it was, it was an attempted murder. <laughs> I was saying a bet on the match. So, like, I think, well, why doesn't he just score? Like he's he's there. He's one on one. He could have just slotted it past the keeper who comes <laughs> flying out far yeah. too fast. But you know, take the pen. He scored. Take the pen and scored. He did. But yeah, back to Eddie Howe, fantastic night. The, de- the defensive solidity of the side is just something to behold. Of course, we had it under the previous manager, uh, but one. Um, mm. And the Rafa Benitez, but it ju- you know th- th- these players in this team, they can defend. And it, ma- it makes me so much more positive about next season because whatever happens, whoever we sign, we can defend. And it's a fantastic platform. And you look at a lot of the games we've won this season at home. There's only West Ham, Man City and Spurs, I think, one at St James's Park this season. I don't think I'm missing anyone there. They're all three really good teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone else. If Wolves are the best of the rest and we've beaten them, it makes you think that when Leicester come next week and Crystal Palace come, who are below Wolves in the league, mm-hmm. we will beat them or we have a good chance of beating them. And I feel like there's been a real talking up of the opposition. Before this game, people are like, oh, we'll never beat Wolves. Like, it was fairly comfortable. Yeah. yeah. It was fairly comfortable. And that's the really positive thing. Okay, we're going to move on to part two of the show after this. There's a little bit of uh, Eddie Howe love. I'm sure there'll be more on, on this podcast and the many Patreon podcasts to come as well. So here are some advertisements uh, for you all, and we'll be back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Emil, talk to me about Bruno, please. 
what a player we've got on our hands. I, I, I feel bad because everyone around me at the ground, me included, uh, was saying, oh, you know, shouldn't be playing for us. So I was like, well, technically now we should. But in a way, everyone was like, oh, class above. It's just amazing. And I think it was it was the real welcome party for Bruno at St. James's first Park. Start, we've seen, well, yeah, exactly. We've yeah. had the proper Bruno experience. Um the full, full job. Um, those who were lucky enough to go down to Southampton obviously saw that remarkable goal that he scored. But there was a few people saying, you know, it took him a, took him a while to settle in the game, settle in the tactics. Now he's, he's very much into that team. And to see him come out at St. James's Park, what a moment for him. Um, I guess there was a little bit of pressure on his shoulders, you know, after all the people who were saying he's got to start, got to start on, uh, on Friday. And he did. And the ball just stuck to his foot. It was like every time he won the ball, he could take it on. He could take it past one, two, three players without having to do any real fancy movement. He he just he just danced through them. And there's the quality that that Newcastle United have to get used to now. I'm I'm so impressed by that performance. Um, he was trying to get a goal. There was there was that that one that he just missed by a smidgen towards the end of the game at the Gallagher. It just went wide. Um, he was pushing forward. Um, I mean, he, he could have managed to get a centimetre on side to let Chris Wood get his first goal, but, you know, we'll, we'll let him off on that one. Um, it was a, a wild set of the, the VAR lines that, that did see him offside for that, and I, I didn't even spot him, but his work rate, work rate was just unmatched. It was it was just incredible. He wanted Newcastle to win that game, and um, that he did. I thought what was interesting about Bruno, um, or the whole midfield trio, Yesterday was that first half. You kind of when the when that team midfield three, you're kind of expecting Joe Linton to be the most advanced player mm. of the three, but he wasn't. Um, in fact, none of them were in the first half, and we were a bit we were a bit hemmed in. I thought um, Bruno and Shelby were on top of each other quite a bit, and nobody was really kind of being the the, the front of that three. Yeah. Uh, second half, Bruno just took took on that role. He he, he basically took on the Joe Willock role and, and was making all those runs, and he was creating space and he was moving the ball really quickly. And like you say, he was getting in into some positions and creating chances and good communication back. as well. He was speaking to everyone. I saw yeah. a lot of that, and that, that's pretty good for someone who we know has not got the best English at the minute. But if you just compare the three, just the, the pace at which Bruno plays is so different to the pace at which Joe Linton and Shelby play that it feels like if if Bruno's the future, he's going to have some different teammates at some point. Because whilst <laughs> I don't think Shelby played badly, I just, just they're not compatible. It, it doesn't seem to work. Shelby plays the game at such a slow pace, yeah. and Bruno's just like quick, quick. You know, he's, he's wanting to move quickly. He's wanting to find passes. Shelby's just like slow down, slow down. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the ball about forty yards and get Max Man to pluck this out of the air. You know, it's just it's just very different. It's 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 weird to watch. Um, and yeah, it was nice to see Joe Linton play with him properly as well yeah. because we've not seen that much yet, and there's definitely some cohesion there. But again, just very different players. It's 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 quite interesting to watch. I think he's solidified his place as well now. I think I think that's it now. It's like the moment where you think Bruno has to start most of these games or every one of these games. I think you mentioned Alex about him wanting to have the ten game run ahead of next season. That that's Bruno there now. He needs to be the one that uh, runs the show like he did. I want to track it back to Eddie Howe again and say like another great decision from Eddie Howe not to have not to just chuck him in the side to give him those five minutes, five minutes, you know, 20 minutes um, to really develop him, to get him on board with what we're trying to do on the pitch and then sort of unleash him. I, I and, and to size point, you know, he came out after half time. I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Bruno was like, I think I'll play in a more advanced position now. Mm. I assume he was <laughs> given that instruction at half time yeah. and he took it and he, and he went with it and he can clearly take instruction extremely well. But I just think 
coaching staff have really taken their time and uh, and and thought about this and I really love the consideration and I really love the the amount of thought that's going into how how we're setting up and how yeah. we're playing yeah I, to- I totally agree fantastic performance from Bruno interesting that Shelby point uh, si, I noticed first half Shelby's getting very frustrated very frustrated mm. with Bruno because normally when Shelby demands the ball from people he gets it yeah he wasn't getting it from Bruno Bruno <laughs> was like there are other options other than passing <laughs> you the ball John Joe for you to, to get your head up and have a look what's going on. But but I thought second half, like you have just said, it worked much better. The whole midfield worked better. The, it was clearly something that was said at half-time. Joe Linton started the game quite sluggishly for him, yeah. gave the ball away a few times, didn't quite see him. There was you know discussions uh, about, you know, is he still injured at half-time? And then second half, he was kind of back to his best. And it just... It's not often a player, like you said, Charlotte, can get a game for Brazil, but not for Newcastle. But that is what Eddie Howe went with for the first <laughs> couple of months. And I totally agree with you that that performance yesterday and the maturity of it um, and the commanding nature of it was probably because he's been eased into the side. You know, um, Wolves did dispossess him a couple of times in the first half. And then, he, like you say, he just got even quicker. He's like, OK, I can't have two, three, four touches. And it just worked really, really well. I really like the fact that he doesn't do a Shelby because because he's so good, he could drop deep every time one of the two centre backs have the ball because he knows he'll get it from them. But he doesn't. He doesn't want the ball in our half of the pitch. He wants the ball in a attacking part of the pitch where he can influence it. His attitude as well. I think the fact that his head doesn't drop when those situations happen, um, much like Joe Linton's game. You know, like oh, you lose the ball, you're going to go back and get it. I know Shelby does that quite a lot, but when Shelby does it, he looks like he's literally busting a gut to go and get it. Bruno is like very focused, and he's like, right, okay, try that again. Same with you know Sam Maximan, the stuff that we've seen where he doesn't get his own way, and we see the hitting of the ground and the like, oh, storming back. Um, Bruno was just like very much about his business, and I think his attitude throughout this entire thing, when he's been starting for five minutes, he's not been he hasn't cared that he's not getting the games he's just waited he's waited patiently and he, he's got his reward now and um when when that moment came he's, he's really taken it he has he's a big personality i love it he's a big personality. yeah he he's uh, i've been you know you see some of his stuff on instagram and twitter and i think <laughs> are you a little bit arrogant and then yesterday <laughs> i was like be as arrogant as you like, like yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely fine <laughs> there's a fine line confidence and arrogance <laughs> yeah. isn't there and and i'm sure i'm sure he, he seems like a humble man you know he seems yeah. po- popular with teammates the message last night was really good from him i thought he's, he's put it all on there and um yeah just really pleased yeah i mean Again, as I promised, little bits of Eddie Howe love uh, I saw today on Twitter from an account called Unify the Tune. Um, if Eddie Howe had joined the club, he joined the club after 11 games, and I think we had, uh, let me have a look, uh, we had five points when he joined after 11 games. Even he, if he had joined on zero points, we would still be four points to go to the relegation zone. <laughs> That's a nice stat. I like, cool. I like that stat. That nice. just proves that Eddie Howe has been a massive, massive upgrade on what came before. And let's remember when, uh, after Eddie Howe's first game, which he couldn't attend against Brentford, we were bottom of the Premier League before then going on to Arsenal and losing. So, you know, it's just an incredible turnaround. It just seems, the reason I brought that up is because this conversation about Bruno and his social media and all, all the things he's done just seems so far removed from those days, mm-hmm. from like Brighton away, Palace away, you know, Wolves away. It just, just seems ridiculous. And That's it is thing, ridiculous. Isn't it? The fact that it's the Wolves one. We, we were talking about it before the game, Alex, and I think that, this, that whole transformation of that game and how you felt, that's become like the... The moment, hasn't it? I think. Well, it was the lowest, the lowest yeah. step, wasn't it's it? The watershed, and then obviously to bookend it like this. Look at us now, <laughs> <laughs> beating Wolves comfortably so on a Friday night. Well. Finally beating Wolves. Oh, it's amazing. 
from from one hero to to another side, or maybe not these days. Uh, Alison Maximin, a difficult night once again. What what did you make of what happened? I might be getting this wrong, but he seems to be becoming a player that divides opinion. Um, it might be a minority, but I felt like he was getting quite a bit of stick from from certain areas of the crowd last night. And certainly if you look on social media uh, before and after most games, he's getting some stick. And um, some of it seems to be about whether his head, his heart's truly in it for Newcastle and he's got all his other little side ventures going on. But leaving all that aside, in terms of his performance yesterday, I thought... I thought he was really, really hard done by, certainly in the first half. I thought him and Almiron weren't having much joy. We were trying to play them in down the channels and and Wolves. This is a Wolves side, by the way, who uh, outside of the top three have conceded less goals than anyone else. Only the top three have conceded less goals. You know, they're a very good defence. Uh, Willie Bolly just had Maximan in his pocket, certainly first half. Every time Maximan made a run, if he beat one man, Bolly was there to smash him off the ball. You know, he was really, really giving him a hard time. And if not, Conor Cody was there. You know, the, the, this is a really good defence that Maximan was basically our only outlet and we were giving him the ball and he was running and trying his best. But every time he cut inside, he was just set upon by about four or five Wolves defenders. And then inevitably, in those situations, he loses the ball probably four times out of five. And the crowd get a bit frustrated with that. But then the one time he, he manages to burst through the five defenders... He creates a chance that Nelly gets us a goal, and it's like well, that's that's what he's there for. He's going to lose the ball. He's going to get tackled. I didn't think he wasn't trying yesterday. I didn't think there was. He made some mistakes, and I think there was some some decision making, which has always been a a part of his game. He could improve on in terms of picking the right pass at the right time. But generally speaking, I thought he was excellent. I thought he, he really gave us a, a serious threat against the Wolves side. He just don't concede goals, and yeah, I just wanted to share a bit of love for for the guy. Yeah, I, you know. It's one of those things, isn't it, where you reference the five players there. There were points in the first half when he was kind of being released to counter-attack and there were five Wolves players yeah. near him. And he'd fuck up and, and, and yeah. he'd, he wouldn't get close to beating one of them and mm-hmm. people would get frustrated. You know, he has that chance yesterday when the ball, Bruno actually plays a great ball back and it's a little bit behind him, but he should he, he could take a touch if he wants yeah. and, he, and he smashes it over the bar. At that point there, it could have gone one or two ways. People were frustrated People were frustrated, um, and there was there was a point maybe two or three minutes later when he gets the ball in front of the southeast corner, and it just either hits off his other leg or something that goes out for a throw in. He, he he's kind of the opposite of Bruno in terms of they're very different players, but in terms of how they uh, react on the pitch and show their emotions. So Bruno is very calm on the pitch, whereas Maximin, you know, he's. He's kind of like I don't want to call it childish, but it does seem a little it's bit not, kind it's of visibly like pissed off. Yeah, like, yeah. very, yeah. very animated, very animated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent. Yeah, it's you know he's throwing his arms up. He does a little jump on the spot, like, <laughs> and, and so you know what he thinks. You know where he is mentally in that moment. And there was a point yesterday to go back to when he kicked the ball out of play in front of our own fans in the corner, where people started to sing his name, and I just thought that was incredibly important I thought it could have gone the other way and he might have had to come off because it wasn't going his way and then from that point number one he kind of clapped the crowd back so it was a kind of mutual appreciation there and we're on the same level and then the support from continued for the rest of the game and then all of a sudden he's much better and I believe it's his pass for the penalty is it not um to Joe Linton who then puts in he put oh, Joe Linton yeah. through yeah. and then Joe Linton ran onto it, yeah. Yeah. So that was really, really good. And that's just I mean, let's talk about the atmosphere last night. I don't know if you if you want to talk about this, Emil or Charlotte. I mean, actually, Emil, first of all, you know, 
What was your experience of the treatment of ASM from where you were in the ground? Where, where were you in the ground? It was very different in the lasers middle section. Um, not not everyone, and I think I noticed it as well against Villa um, when I was sat in the Gallagher. Yes, okay, I've been getting tickets up everywhere. Um, I think that there was a lot more fuck's sakes and, you know, even more, like, frustration. Everything he did, like, even if he... I mean, I, even I was guilty of it at times because there was a few occasions where he just ran across the box and he was running towards no one. And I know that he was maybe trying to do something. For me, it felt like Sam Maximan was putting too much pressure on himself last night. I think that he really wants... And we saw it when he put his, his post up saying, you know, but people forget what you've done or something along those lines. Um... I mean, he's probably just got that personality, as we talk about, where he feels as though he wants to go and score to not shush the crowd, but, but put a few people back in their place. Um, I might be, you know, judging what he's doing, but he looks desperate to get a goal. And I think that we saw that when he scored those goals against, um, you know, Southampton, when he got that equaliser and he, he marched himself into the crowd. I think he, he wants to feel that love again. And I think he needs that that boost just for his own confidence. He, he's desperate to score. So we, we saw attempts to do that last night and try and get that second goal um, when perhaps the, the easiest thing to do would just be, you know, keep the ball, you know, keep it simple. Don't do anything wild. So we lose the ball and send Wolves up the other end. Um but yeah, there wasn't as much encouragement. That's probably down to the fact that people weren't as close to the pitch, you know, when 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 uh, the Gallagher corner could could see that. So yeah, mixed bag. Um, and certainly, a few of the people I spoke to afterwards were were saying the same thing. Some people thought he had an amazing game. Some people were very quick to say, like, oh, you know, get him out the team type of thing. It was a very mixed response, which I think is just the the nature of Sam Maximan at the moment. Yeah, it's funny how the, the perception's so different across different people. Um, I was going to pick him up on that 90-second minute when I just want to see out the game at that point. It's 1-0, we've, we've got this in the bag, and he gets he gets released down the, the left channel, and all he has to do is run in the corner and waste waste a minute, but instead he cuts inside again and, and has a tame shot at the keeper, and then they go and break the other way. It's like, how well, and just... Oh yeah, sorry, the game, give, it, give me that second goal, mate. Like, yeah, I know, I know, but <laughs> I'm so it's I'm not like, sick of it because we've been winning. But some of these fixtures where oh, you're like, yeah. oh, uh, please score a second goal. Eddie like, Howe's probably telling them there, they're like, yeah. Howell, and just just see out the game, mate. Like, it was interesting. I, I was thinking about what, he, what Eddie Howe said, particularly after that Watford game, when it was like journalists said to him, you know, do, is the plan just to completely like retreat to the edge of your own box and shut up shop after we score and he's just like they're absolutely not yeah. <laughs> like we want, we want to win the game comfortably and it, it did happen Wolves got better after yeah. we scored which didn't take much for them to do so because they were very poor before that but we're just you know I just it's interesting to me because we are so solid defensively ignoring Spurs I'm going to say that for the rest of this, like 18 months now I'm going to caveat that Spurs game there was no defence yeah but we're so solid defensively and ASM just doesn't fit into that at all mm. like um, during the game yesterday Joe, Joe Linton has to do who plays on the left side of our midfield three has to do a lot of ASM's defensive work as well as his own um, and I just you know that's the thing that you know the discussion this week has been you know linked with a 50 million pound move to Villa or Wolves or something like that and you just you know that 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 is going to be the interesting moving forward is if this is an all action workaholic side and I want to talk about Chris Wood really briefly in a sec but if this if that is the template for this side where does ASM fit into that because he doesn't he is not going he is not going to press opposition players effectively he's not going to defend effectively so you need all of that other stuff that he's capable of and I think that's why people get so frustrated because it's like if you're not getting that attacking contribution mm. you are carrying an extra man 
the great quote from friend of the podcast, Craig Hope, was, what was it? He's a great player for a bad manager, terrible player for a good manager. I thought that kind of summed it up pretty much in, in what we've seen of Sam Maximan at Newcastle United. It'll be interesting to see if Sam Maximan scored, if he would run over to Howe in the same way that he did Bruce a few times. Because <laughs> it felt as though he was rewarding Bruce. Have a hug. That's know. for all them days off he gave us. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for being nice to me. But given Howe said what he said about him being very much part of the plans, it would be interesting to see Sam Maximan's body language towards Howe. Um, and see like uh, an interview with Sam Maximan afterwards. It'd be so harsh if, if it's like really negative after <laughs> House said all these nice things yeah. about him in the press. He'll hug Tyndall. Yeah. <laughs> it's just because he's got to. Yeah. yeah. There's no choice in that matter. <laughs> Demands it. <laughs> just, just, just to move it on to another player then, uh, we want to talk about Chris Wood yesterday. Lots and lots of people before the game when I was talking to them about the match in the city of Newcastle upon Tyne through the day, you know, they were saying the centre forward needs a goal. The centre forward needs a goal. And it, and it, I think it was Norman on the last podcast said about Chris Wood. It wasn't even that he played badly; it was just he hardly played. He just the game just just passed him by. He wasn't like he wasn't an active participant in that football match at Spurs. Now I wasn't at Spurs, so you're relying on television. But he looked to me yesterday, being at the game, to to have upped his work rate massively. Yeah. He really, really put a shift on. He was relentlessly closing players down. But not just kind of the half-arsed shifting across the pitch to close down an angle of a pass. No, no, sprinting at their yeah. centre-backs. Relentlessly dropping back into midfield. Yeah. Second half when after we scored and ASM just basically didn't defend anymore and, and, and kind of maybe, well, probably definitely was a plan to leave him on the halfway line as a as an outlet. And to be fair, that outlet worked several times uh, to get out of um, Wolves' pressure. Well, um, Wood just dropped in as a left side of midfielder and, yeah. and did, yeah, yeah, yeah. did the defensive work, Charlotte. I, I was getting, like, towards the end when St. Max was just going on those mad runs um, for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes and just running the ball at the pitch, I was getting a little bit frustrated because he dropped so deep and he's not as fast as, as ASM. Um, he just wasn't, there was ASM, it's, these like really, really fun and exciting runs to watch. But when there's zero players anywhere near the box, it's like, okay, well now mm. the ball's out of play. That was frustrating me a little bit, but you're right. He needed to kind of drop back and, and do that work. And he was working so hard yesterday, so... Yeah, there's a perfect moment that, that, that frames that up as uh, Maximan runs in and for some reason he manages to get himself right to the right-hand side of the box. He yeah. just runs across the whole of the Wolves team and then smashes the hardest cross back across goal. And, and to be fair to Chris Wood, he's only about a yard off getting there, but he's, he's had to cover so much ground <laughs> yeah. to catch up with Maximan. And yeah, if he just plays at a slightly less ridiculously hard cross, which I think might have been a shot as well, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he did was... himself in by doing that run for the penalty because I, I watched it back last night and I was like, God, he's actually really fast getting there. Like he really mm. wanted that. And I think especially after you know, the cruelty of the, the VAR decision going against him, although it was just a tap in, you know, you always say... It doesn't matter how that it's striker the scores them. It's, is, yeah. is there a worse feeling in football these days than you've done your celebration of the goal? Oh. The players are about to kick off and yeah. then on the screen, mm. VAR check, and you're just like, yeah. fuck off. Our screen's so slow, you. by the way. Not oh. to mention for the penalty as well. He stood there on the pen spot holding the football for like four yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it must be so hard to keep your cool that. And it's, it's a great penalty, but yeah, yeah. It, poor bloke. 
I will t- I will counter that with yes, there is a worse feeling, and it was the two men in front of me, and I think someone put alcohol in their drinks because they <laughs> did not understand that we the goal was disallowed. <laughs> they they kept turning to me and being like, "Oh, we're not one nil up," and yeah. I was like, "No, no, honey, like that yeah. that, we, that was disallowed." And he was like, "No, no, no, we're scored, we're scored." Was like, <laughs> That's oh, the type God. of Newcastle fan we've got now. Just complete <laughs> denial. We're definitely winning. We're one nil up before the game even starts. I just imagine Chris Wood, you know, when he took that ball into his hands he was thinking if I can score against New Caledonia well score against these well Emil I was going to make this exact point when he takes the penalty the guy I was with at the match Alan um, I, I said you know I said to him he's going down the middle here yeah why did I know he's going down the middle because when New Zealand posted that like all-time record goal scorer video <laughs> like there's lots of penalties in there and they're nearly all smashed down the middle but like they try to do us like that yeah the keep yes yeah, exactly. but the, the, the keeper the wolves keeper obviously didn't watch it because yeah. I just thought like he's gonna smash this down the middle and he did but then as a goalkeeper you can't really just stand still can you because yeah. Tim Quill tried that against Mario Balotelli once and just looked stupid yeah. Man City away in 2011 I do quite like the newfound support from the New Zealand Twitter account yeah. they're very big on Chris Wood content and like they put his interview up afterwards saying how great it was to see him score and it's like we're getting a new generation of fans he interviews it's, very well he's, yeah. he's, he's, a good, he's, he's a good speaker I like him a lot I yeah. like him a lot me too he's like a sturdy either. man doesn't he we need better <laughs> but I like yeah. him a lot you'll do for yeah. now You'll do for now. But, you know, let's see. I'm being harsh there. Let's see. His first home goal, he's, he's, scored, he's scored two goals now, which have contributed to six points for Newcastle United. So that's really important. So He makes me think of that guy that Leicester had. I know that we're not necessarily going to go on and win the league, but if we continue the form, we're kind of going into a new season like they did when they did. And they had, um, was it Chaloa, who kind of came off the bench for them? Uh, Leandro... Yuloa, it was like began with a U, and he was kind of like the guy who oh, was Joa, yeah, Joa, something like that. And he came on the, he came off of Vivardi now and then, but he got a few goals. And I feel like Chris Wood maybe next season might be that type of player. Be like, right, stick him on for the final ten, lump it in, and then uh, we'll get that goal that we need. Who knows? From we'll Chris see. Wood to Emil Kraft, no. I have to apologise to Emil Kraft. Yes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lead it. Can you I put like said, music on post production behind? <laughs> I could, but I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> The meal craft I've said numerous times is never going to be good enough. Just a bit, mm-hmm. bit like Julian. Never going to be good enough to play in this, the Premier League. And I was wrong because I did not foresee Eddie Howe improving footballers beyond recognition in a very short space of time. So I'm sorry, Emil Craft. I thought you were very good last night. I know, Sai, you disagree a little bit. Maybe you can say that in a second. But I thought he just looks like a really good right back and I don't know if he's getting lessons from Kieran Trippier I don't know mm. if um, <laughs> he's I don't know I don't know but he he's not he's not perfect he's still liable to get rinsed by a fast player but he played well last night and I'm a big Javier Mankio fan I think Emil Kraft is is ahead of Mankio now in the, I think there's no question of who starts against Leicester City yeah, um, quickly to, to Ben and Mickey when he's here. This, you just laughed at me when I said Eddie Howe will improve Kraft as well. It was like, no, nah, there's no way. Like, he, I don't disagree that he has improved significantly and now looks like a footballer, which he didn't before. Um, I still think he's a weakness. I still think our right hand side was a weakness yesterday. I thought Miggy, for all his endeavour, just didn't didn't do much in his, his his lack of end product and his lack of kind of cohesion with his teammates. Um, as much as I like the guy, I just don't think he's he's not quite a, a Premier League Premier League player. Well, that's um, interesting. And with with um, Kraft behind him, I just thought that the only joy Wolves had was coming down that side of our pitch, which most teams have obviously identified that as our weakness. That said, Wolves were limited to one shot on target, and then the first half, one blast over the bar at the Gallagher. You know, like that—that's the sign of a good, solid defense, isn't it? And yeah, Kraft, Kraft's good. I th- 
we, we'll play four at the back now, so you can't expect your fullbacks to bomb on loads. But there were some opportunities yesterday where we were struggling, really struggling to find any gaps, any space. We had a lot of the ball, especially first half, and we just didn't know what to do with it. And Kraft had like 20, 30 yards of space in front of him. It's like, mate, just just take make, take a 10-yard run forward. You might not even get the ball, but take a, take a player with you, make a bit of space, and he, he just doesn't seem to have the confidence to do that. Um, but that said, you know, clean sheet. If you're in yeah. the back four and a clean sheet against against a side who are knocking on the door of Europe, you've had a good game, haven't you? I'd like to stick up for Miguel Amaron a little bit there. Um, before I do, actually, let's let's hammer him a little bit more, Sean, and let's, let's bring him down because you said you were gutted <laughs> when he came on. Yeah, no, um, I, 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 like proven wrong basically, but um, when because because I love Ryan Fraser, right? So and I think he's been mint, and and I love watching him play. I love watching him scoot up the pitch and and put in those crosses. And I was really excited when he was on the team sheet, and then. I don't know what uh, what injury he's got. I don't know. Hamstring. Ham- yeah. Yeah. So he's out. Okay. He's out now. Right, great. Um, uh, yeah, so when he went off and, and Almiron came on, I said, who's coming on? And my dad brings his binoculars. So he's like, binoculars out. And he's like, it's Almiron. And I was like, oh, no. Like, really good pace, you know, can run around, but he can lose, like, he just loses. But like, And I was just, nah, I didn't, wasn't excited about that. But he worked really hard yesterday. And he, and he actually, he made some, he made some, um, Good passes. I thought he was quite good, and uh, and I was good when he came on. So I, uh, ate my words. Apology, he, apologies all around today. Apologies all around. Podcast. I thought he worked really hard, and I thought he worked. He worked in that uh, structure that has clearly been drilled. Um, I thought he did. He clearly was doing what he was told to do, and doing it pretty well. I think they had a really torrid time as well on that side. I think there was their number five. Is it Marcel? He was really like really good going forward. He was the one player I thought was going to do some damage. Uh, it was just as well that you know Wolves didn't have anything uh, that, that could finish the game off. Um, I, I think just going back to Kraft, it's it's amazing what an international player can do when he's actually got a bit more confidence. You know, he came back from uh, the, the Sweden game after getting the most viral clip ever uh, with his Maradona turn. He's obviously you know fueled a bit of that into his system. But the fact that the the uh, the the Twitter account as well was saying good things about Kraft that was good. I, I was really impressed with Miggy as well. I think he worked really hard to um, uh, get towards Wood in the disallowed goal. I think he was instrumental in that bit. And um, although he did look a little bit you know, shaky when he got the ball in those first few stages of coming on. Obviously, he didn't expect it. Um, he got a he, bit of support in that first in yeah. the first few minutes. Maxi came over onto that side and uh, and worked with him for a little bit, um, which I wasn't expecting. Mickey against yeah. Willie Bolly as well, by the way. It's a scary thing. It's just like, it's like David and Goliath on the pitch. It's just like he's so small. <laughs> D- David wins that. So David it's, it's wins, exactly. Right. That's what I do. <laughs> overcame him in the end. I was, oh God, honestly, I was so pleased to finally beat Willie Bolly. He's been that... Thorn now aside for so long when he fouled Dubravka and everything like that. I just want to point it out. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really impressed with them. They had a very tough time. And, um, you know, I'm all for more love for Emil in the world. I think um, in, in Miggy's defence, he's not played many minutes this season. As he's, he's, he spent a lot of time on the bench and he didn't look probably like, like he had. What did he end up playing? Like 75, 80 minutes? It was only about 15 minutes when he came on, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um he looked really leggy by half time, and I was, I was, I did say to Ben, I thought um, Murphy might have been a bit more effective here because there was space in behind Marcel and whoever was on the right hand side, the two wing backs that we weren't exploiting. Maximan kept coming inside, Miggy kept coming inside to shoot on his left, um, and I thought, you know what, you kind of just want Murphy or someone to run in a straight line. 
Mickey's best. Yeah, you'll do that. Mickey's best stint. Yeah, Mickey's best stint for Newcastle was that that front three with with Rondon Perez, where it was just his raw pace that terrified yeah. defenses, and we don't see enough of that anymore of him just running really, really fast because he's he's meant to be our fastest player, yeah. or he certainly was when he signed. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't written him off. I just think um, maybe with a bit more game time, if he's got that opportunity now with Fraser being injured, he might he might improve again. But I don't know. I'm just not seeing enough about him to make me think there's a player there that takes us any further. We've been speaking loads as well about you know these these fringe players and, and how they're going to get used. Many articles on the True Faith website that you can read about it, which have been great. You know, pointing out that Almiron, it's going to be his time. You know, it's like if it, it's now or never if he's going to make an impact. And I would love to see it. It's it's one of those players who, much like Kraft, M- Miggy and Kraft in this matter, two players who I really wanted to see you know come out of that that dark period of their their times at Newcastle and and really show that they're, they're in this team effort that, that can uh, provide that, you know, real strength in, in numbers. Um, it's it's funny though, Alex, actually actually what you're saying about like, you know, Joe Linton, Kraft, it's almost like they've been put into some sort of like care facility and like they're all coming out of it now and and just Kieran Clark's left there at the window just waving at them saying, oh, I'll never improve, I'll see oh, I'm see sure Kieran Clark would have <laughs> improved under how, but yes, it's a good point. Just to finish on, Maggie, um I've no doubt that Newcastle would, consider offers from in the summer if yeah, there were to be any come in having said that uh, if he is going to be here as a squad player I'm pleased he came on ahead of Murphy you know Jacob Murphy seems like a nice man uh, <laughs> he hits the post a lot and he can do things in the Premier League but I just I just don't think I just don't think he's at this level or the level we want to be what I liked about Omeron is that he linked up with Bruno very nicely and I just maybe feel a bit like Bruno playing with better players makes you look better and Almiron clearly has that ability to kind of one-touch pass. He's quite calm in the penalty area, Almiron. Um, and I just feel like that relationship... So if Fraser is going to be out, that relationship could uh, develop quite nicely. I also would like to see maybe Almiron play on the left, where he, he's a left-footed yeah. player, and maybe ASM on the right. But for whatever reason, ASM does not like playing on the right hand He switched over at one point. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I thought they had, and he was in he that corner. He did, like you and it, la- it always lasts like... Five yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah. If that um, stuff for how to think about, though, I'm sure he'll think of something. Let's finish on just another great night at St James's Park. This is this is the thing about us at the minute, and I've said it before on the podcast. That every game is an event. When we go away from home, you know, my last away game was West Ham. You turn up at the ground. There's loads of empty seats because the people who are coming in are getting in late. The game kind of starts. So there's no atmosphere. You go to St James's Park. Whatever the fixture now, the ground is full at kickoff. It's mm. full five minutes before kickoff. There's lots of flags. Flags all around the ground last night. That in itself is different to most Premier League grounds, if not all Premier League grounds. Well, it is different all Premier League grounds because they're fully fan-funded. Unlike, you know, Watford have some flags and it's like Watford have paid for them and kind of imposed them on the fans, whereas, no, this is a fan-led thing. Um, and the atmosphere is brilliant at kickoff and the, the game starts and I don't know, I just, I just, I almost feel like who's going to beat where? Like, Who's going to beat Wood home? I just feel so invincible at the minute at home. And I'm sure it'll disappear as soon as we get beat next week or something. But <laughs> we just don't concede chances. Like, think back to all the home games. And that Man City game that we played, we had fucking Matt Ritchie and Jacob Murphy playing fullback. Yeah. Like, not wing-back, fullback. Because yeah. we didn't have three centre-backs to it play. Re- it really wasn't a 4-0 as well. Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It four chances. And it's like, it just, I just think we're a home form. And that's the only game I was lost at home. Our home form is so impressive. It's how, like, how if you're an opposition team, how we're going to beat these guys at home? It just seems like an impossible task. Enter Liverpool. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing, nah. isn't it? But that's the thing. I can't I'm, wait for that now. It'd be great. Oh, I, but I was about to say, it would be lovely to enjoy those games because without the pre, you know, with, with without the pressure of relegation or mm. anything like that. So, so if we can remain unbeaten in the next two coming up in the next ten days or so, which I think we will, you know, bring on Liverpool. What a what a what an occasion that will be. So far in our uh, Patreon podcast, Alex, that we did about the final nine games, I think me and Ben are bang on so far of what we said. The loss against Tottenham and the win against Wolves. That's what I said. Was that what you said yeah, as well? I, I can't remember. I think I said, was it Ben said a draw? Yeah, Ben said, said, ben ben said, said a draw. Ben, All right. ben said Idiot. A, yeah, yeah, Ben. <laughs> How dare he doubt us. <laughs> we will finish things there before we abuse our fellow podcasters further. We'll do it. We'll do it off air. Um, thanks so much to you three for your time. Thanks everyone for listening to the True Faith podcast. We will be back definitely probably Monday after the Leicester game. And um, we will speak to you all then. Looking forward to that. We're on Patreon, £6.60 a month. Would like it lots if you came and gave us a try. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.